So if you don't get intrinsic or happy or joy from cutting your lawn, some people do, but if you don't enjoy that and you can hire someone for, let's say you make $80 an hour, but you can pay someone 40 bucks to cut your lawn, then you should be paying that person the $40 to cut your lawn because otherwise you're losing money when you're cutting the lawn. So a couple of things there, but in summary, it's really try to figure out your time value. Also do the plus one, plus two, plus three, minus one, minus two, minus three to figure out what brings you joy. And then as you figure that out, then allocate 80% of your time and energy, more important, your energy, 80% of your energy toward that 80%, the stuff that you like to do. It's one small step for man. Lift off. We have a lifter. We have a lifter. We have a lifter. We have a lifter. We have a It's the podcast designed to unlock and unleash your superpower. I'm Jake with Equalman Studios. Back in April, Eric sat down with Jim Beach on School for Startups Radio to talk about one of his all-time favorite subjects, focus. Let's talk about Jim Beach. Jim is a best-selling author, an award-winning entrepreneur, corporate speaker, radio host, leadership expert, and all-around great conversationalist. Jim's first book, School for Startups, was published in June 2011 and reached number nine on Amazon and number one on the Amazon business section. The book continues to be a bestseller after many years and received 4.8 stars from over 100 reviewers. Jim is also an educator on entrepreneurship in the School for Startups program. The School for Startups core philosophy is simple. Anyone can be a successful entrepreneur when they think about creativity, risk, and passion in a new way. It's no wonder Jim's show, School for Startups Radio, was awarded the Small Business Administration Media Award and is carried on 25 AM FM stations around the country. So, huge shout out to School for Startups Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having us on. We'll link the website to School for Startups Radio in the description of this episode. And thank you for listening to the Super U Podcast. It's because of you, our listeners and supporters, that we're able to do what we love which is to entertain, educate, and empower people to their best life. Without further ado, this is Eric Qualman, you know him as Equal Man, and Jim Beach. From the AM-FM 24-7 radio network, broadcasting from AM and FM stations around the country, welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur, because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. Today is Thursday, April 21st. I hope you're having a great day making some money, changing the world, providing jobs, making America better, all of the things that you entrepreneurs do. You are the lifeblood of the world. Got a great show for you today. We're going to talk about focus, how to maintain focus and how to become more profitable because of it. We have the amazing Eric Qualman with us to talk about that. I'm excited to introduce my first guest today. He is a five-time number one best-selling author. 
keynote speaker. He has spoken in 55 countries to over 50 million people. And this is an amazing statistic, and I bet it's changed. He was voted the second most likable author in the world behind someone who wrote a Harry Potter book. But she's out of style nowadays, so I bet he's worked his way up to number one. His social nomics work has been shown on 60 Minutes and Wall Street Journal. Used all over the world. 500 universities use it. He is also the guy behind the most watched social uh, media video ever. Eric Qualman, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Really happy to join all you listeners out there as well. It is our pleasure. So the new book, The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less. I want to do less, Eric. How can I do less? <laughs> no, we all do. I think that's where I started. I wanted it. I was going to bed at night. My hair was on fire. All you listeners can relate to it. And here I am, someone as a writer that I control my time. So if I was wrestling with it, I knew everyone else was. And as I talked to more people from school teachers to CEOs to stay at home mom and dads, they were wrestling with the same thing. And so when you think about focus, I like to say less but better. Just think less but better. Very hard to do, and we can unwrap different tips and tricks we could do, but always think less, comma, but better. All right. That makes sense. There's a Twitter moment. We will tweet that out. All right. How, though? I mean, that's a bold statement. How can I do less but make it better? It seems like it would be reversed. Work harder, be better. Yeah, no, I think that's the fallacy we all fall into, especially in America. And so here's, here's one major tip is that a lot of us think if I was given two more hours in my day, then I'd be able to handle things. Well, in truth, if I gave you 24 hours, you'd fill them. Uh, but if you take the two-hour example, let's say you got up, you could do that. You could get up two hours earlier tomorrow, but the research shows you'll actually get less done. So there's a lot of books in billion-dollar industry on time management, but it's really energy management. So we have a fixed amount of time, and so just trying to figure out how am I going to allocate that energy? Now, most of us allocate it to the easy things first. We think busy. We do busy things instead of the big things. We avoid the things that are big, meaning the big goal that we've set. Like we want to write a movie, if we want to learn to play the piano, whatever that big goal is, we kind of put that off. Knowing here's the thing you need to do. You've got to write down what's the one thing that'll make everything else easier or unnecessary. What's the one thing that's not, I should do this, but a must. Like I must learn Spanish so that I could be better. I could better communicate with my family, whatever it might be. You got to change that wanted to a must. And the easiest way to do that is to write that one thing down and to allocate a set amount of time. I like to say 30 minutes at the start of your day. So before the chaos, of the day attacks you try to do that first thing in the morning. If you can write it down the night before science shows, it'll actually make you sleep better. But there's a lot of tips and tricks in the book, but the biggest one that I've used is that one. What's the one thing? Write it down. Make sure I attack that first. And then basically I'm playing with house money the rest of the day. All right. Is this like the Mark Twain eat the big toad first? Or is this like the Simon Sinek? You've got to know your purpose and your why, and then you focus on that. I mean, both those things help, like eat the frog first, right? Or... Simon Sinek's why, if you're not passionate about it, it doesn't matter. So you got to start with your why. Why are you here? 
Um, all those. So I researched stuff from the past hundreds of years because this isn't a new challenge for any of us. If you look back, we've always wrestled with this, but it's a lot more difficult today because of the hyperconnectivity. So in answer, yes. Um, but it's really just about trying to figure out, all right, simplify it all down and go. One of the key things is writing down a not to do list. Okay. Let's just, I just know I'm not going to get to this. So let's just start with the not to do list. Here's what I'm not going to do. And then look down that list, basically put everything. If you have a to do list, 90% of successful people have to do lists. Do this right now. If you're a listener, look at your to do list and literally write the word not on the top of it. For all those type A personalities, that's crazy. It's going to give you a super amount of stress, but write the word not. And then look down that list and then circle the one thing that's going to make everything else either easier or unnecessary. So look down that super long list and just circle the one thing that's make everything else either easier or necessary. Move that over. That is your new to-do list. And start with that is the first thing that you should do in the morning. Okay, I don't even know how to start. My list says... Do my taxes, water the lawn, uh, read the school project, uh, write a proposal. I, I have to do all of those. Those none, none of those are, you know, choices. Those are all obligations. So how do yeah, I make a knot out of those? Yeah, yeah. So 20% of what you can do are going to be obligations. I have to do my taxes like you. I don't want to do it. I have to do it. And so, but in time, you've got to get to where that is just 20% of what you have to do. And so then the 80% the stuff that you like to do. Um, so that's key is trying to figure it out. Now, to help you do that, at the end of each day, and this is something I do not every day, so think progress over perfection, because I want to journal every day. It just doesn't happen. I know it's good for me. But at the end of the day, what I do, I do this in an Excel spreadsheet or Google Sheet, whatever your favorite is. So on Google Sheets, I'll literally put down, was the day a plus one, plus two, or plus three? Or was it a minus one, minus two, minus three? Never neutral. So I do that. And if I have time, which I normally do, I just write one sentence. Why was it a plus two? And then over time, you start to see those patterns between your negative and positive days. And then with that pattern, then you're like, okay, I need to try to figure out how do I do 80% of my time allocated to that? And then 20% I've got to do taxes mow the lawn, water the grass. Now in time, what you need to figure out too is what's the time value of, of your time? Like what's the average hourly rate you get paid? If you're a salary person, you know, dividing the amount of hours you work by your salary and figure out, okay, this is what I get paid per hour. So if you don't get intrinsic or happy or joy from cutting your lawn, some people do, but if you don't enjoy that and you can hire someone for, let's say you make when you do that calculation that you make $80 an hour, but you can pay someone to do your lawn 40 bucks to cut your lawn, then you should be paying that person the $40 to cut your lawn because otherwise you're losing money when you're cutting the lawn. So a couple things there, but in summary, it's really try to figure out your time value of money. Also do the plus one, plus two, plus three, minus one, minus two, minus three to figure out what brings you joy. Um, and then as you figure that out, then allocate 80% of your time and energy, more important, your energy, 80% of your energy toward that 80%, the stuff that you like to do. Okay, but on my list of four bad things, there wasn't something that I wanted to circle, right? There wasn't right. something that I, I found joy in or brought in the revenue that I needed to outsource the others. 
So Correct. how do so I find look, that? To find the joy? Well, not necessarily the joy, but the thing that makes it possible for 80% to be the thing that drives me, the one thing that I have to do that makes the rest of my life easier, like learning Spanish. But I still, what if I just don't know that? Okay. I don't know what I think will make it easier. Is there always, I'm looking at my life right now, Eric, and I don't know what I would do. Uh, it hasn't jumped out at me, and I did what you told me to. I am looking at my to-do list right this second. But I, I nothing, yeah. nothing on there is, you know, getting me floating my boat. <laughs> yeah, so if your list, you've got your list of stuff that you have to do. So you get 20%, you've got your taxes, you've got your lawn. So what you want to do as much as you can is look ahead and go, all right, what's going to make it easier? If I don't water my lawn today, it looks like my grass is going to die. So now I'm going to have to resod it, which is going to cost me more money. And it's going to cost me a lot of my time and energy because now I'm going to have to find someone that's going to resod my lawn. And so you look at it and go, okay, that can't wait. That's going to make my life easier if I do it today. Whereas your taxes, you might look at it and go, oh, I've got a couple more days to do my taxes. So that falls below the watering the lawn. So that's just one kind of simple example of, of the list that you gave me to where you have to look ahead to figure out when you look ahead, that, that's what will help you figure out what's going to make your life easier. All right. And some of these things I cannot put a knot in front of like the taxes, you know, you can't work a way around that one. You've just got to do it. So how does that, how do things that can't be on a knot list exist on the list that you put, told me to put not at the top of? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, what you want to do is most of us fixate like you are right now, which makes sense. You focus on these things that at the end of the day, at the end of the year, if that's all you do is the things that you have to do, then you've turned your life into a to-do list, which life's not about a to-do list. And so the reason we get joy is, am I growing? So am I growing from learning Spanish? Am I growing because I'm growing my company as an entrepreneur? Am I growing because I'm going to quit today my job to start my new company? And so it's really, that's the key to the evidence of the entire Focus Project book, because you've raised the point exactly that all of us wrestle with is, gosh, I look back over the year and I did a lot of things, but nothing was big. Nothing brought me fulfillment. Nothing really brought me that joy that I've been searching because I've fixated on these things that I feel like I have to do. And again, this isn't easy. Like I, I check myself every day. I wrote the book. It did two years of research on this. I lived it for two years. And still I struggle with it. So I'll gravitate towards those busy things, the things that I quote unquote have to do. Like I'll gravitate towards, gosh, I got to answer. I feel like I have to answer all 150 of these emails from these writers today, our fans for the book. And I'm like, you know what? I don't. So I'm going to allocate just 30 minutes to do that. And if I don't get to all of them, so be it. We got to move on. So it's not easy by any means. It's very, very difficult. So you always got to think, like I mentioned, it's about progress over perfection uh, and trying to figure out, I'm going to allocate, even if it's just 30 minutes, the stuff that brings you joy, just 30 minutes is probably a step in the right direction for all your listeners. Because for me, I wasn't even allocating those 30 minutes. I was doing my taxes. I was mowing the lawn. I was watering the grass. And so I'd always kind of gravitate towards those things. So that's why I'm saying carve out that 30 minutes and then everything else for, for time. Sure. Do those things that you have to do. But as you get better at this, 
that 30 minutes will start to grow and you'll spend more time getting to that 80% of stuff that's actually big versus the busy things. All right. So what do you do, Eric, if in that 30 minutes of your happiness time, your daughter comes and says, dad, I have toilet paper stuck on the bottom of my shoe and I need help. <laughs> that's an easy one. I go, go talk to your mom. No, <laughs> you'll, fi- you'll find times where it's not easy, but you'll adjust your schedule. So I would go, all right, my daughter's in time. They wake up. It depends on how old your kids are, right? When they're younger, when they're like one and two, they wake up at different times. But in time, they start to have a pattern when they get older. So I'm like, all right, they're going to wake up at 7.15 almost every day. So, hey, even though I want to sleep into 7.15, you know what I want more? I want to get this thing done. So I'm going to get up at 6.30 to make sure I get it done before there's interruptions. All right, but what do you do? I mean, you can't go tell the wife to do everything. What do you do when the disruption, uh, you know, is an important work thing? Do you blow the call off? and go back to the work and worry about the call later? Yeah, it's a good question. There's a lot of people that we interviewed. What they'll do is, let's say they're even in the office. I know most people are working virtually, but in the office, they'll literally go to another floor in an office, in a small office, and like seclude themselves in there. They won't really start their day, quote unquote, in their main office until they get that 30 minutes in. And so it's really difficult for someone to kind of come to that floor, interrupt them. They don't even know they're there. They've gotten there early. Um, or some lady I talked to, she did it during the middle of the day and people became used to her. No, 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 that's, that's Dolores's, that's her time. She's taking that 30 minutes. She doesn't really go to lunch. That's her 30 minutes. She's blocked that off. Now, obviously you have to live in reality. If your boss during your time, let's say that you've allocated seven o'clock AM, seven thirty AM, it doesn't matter. That's your time. And your boss says, hey, I need to have that 7.30 meeting. Then you're probably going to have that meeting, obviously. But you hope that's the exception rather than the rule. Again, progress over perfection. But you want to put yourself in an environment where you're less likely to get interrupted. And often that might be, especially if you're working at home, you actually go to that coffee shop. You go to the local library for that time. Or you just work it so that this person thinks I'm busy my time from 8 to 9. And the other person thinks nine to 10 and the other person thinks 10 to 11. And eventually your whole day is your special time. And yeah, that, well, for sure. If you could, we call it cowboy and cowgirl scheduling that you want to block out time for yourself. So think about fences, cowboy, cowgirl, fencing off that time. And then if you remember the song, leaving those wide open spaces for creative thinking as well. So most of us, Bill Gates included, would pack their schedule thinking that's what a good leader does is their schedule is completely packed. Then one of his good friends, he meets with Warren Buffett and Warren Buffett literally has five things on a handwritten calendar notepad for his calendar for the month. And so the answer lies somewhere in between, but Bill Gates has an aha moment for him to be like, Whoa. And Buffett's like, yeah, you have to give yourself your time. You have to give yourself time to think. And so it's, it's somewhere in the middle between those two extremes. Eric, I had a, a personal situation recently. I asked an acquaintance, someone that has been on this show four or five times. I asked them for 15 minutes and they wrote back saying they were too busy. I said, oh, you know, I don't need to talk to you today, tomorrow, this week, anytime in the next six months. They wrote back saying they were too busy. Is that an F you 
And secondly, do you ever believe that anyone is too busy? I don't believe in too busy. I can always make more time. You know, for you, I'll, I'll make more time. You know, uh, uh, you, oh, you need me? I, I, I'm going to stop because, or create time later and give up some of my free time because some things I'm not too busy for. As a matter of fact, most things. And I just don't believe that there is too busy. I think that's BS and that the president is not too busy. No one is that busy. I just don't believe that. What are your thoughts on my rambles? No, I love it. So using your president example is I always aspire to be not the president of the United States, but think about the president. If the president, it's the president you like, let's just say it's a president that you like. So president's in office. If that president says, I want to have a meeting with you, you're going to move anything that you have sure. that day. You're going to move anything. So you always want to aspire to be that person that no matter, because I get people to cancel meetings on me and I go, oh, I haven't reached that level yet. Because if it was the president that they liked, they wouldn't cancel that meeting, no matter what happened. Uh, unless someone died in their family, that's probably the only reason yeah. they'd cancel that meeting with the president. So the inverse, though, to unpack the other side, you do have to learn. If you want to focus, you're going to have to learn to say no, which is really hard for most of us. But you got to do it tactfully. So the person that sent it to you rubbed you the wrong way because they didn't do it tactfully. And so first, well, you know what that say person's no, book is? I'm not going to tell you the name, but that yeah. that their entire shtick is sure. give, 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 give. Okay. So it's a, it's well, a blatant uh, FU, isn't it? <laughs> I know you're talking about it. it's not an FU, but it's basically they should say, hey, you know, I'd love to be on your show, but right now my head's down on these projects. And the way to say no is not to say in the future that might change. Because if you do say, if you in your mind say it's not a hell yes, then it should be a hell no. So I don't want to put words in that person's mouth. But if they say, okay, this isn't a hell yes, then it should be a heck no, right? It should be a hell no. And the way you got to say that is one, answer as quickly as possible so that person can move on and say, hey, love to be on the show, whatever it is, but I'm heads down on these projects or, you know, I'm heads down on these projects that I've really devoted time to my family. So I just can't right now allocate, I can't allocate time for, to do this. I'm sorry. Um, and so the person's not going to be happy to hear it, but they can kind of respect that. They can say, okay, I haven't made that tier. I haven't made that list. They're allocating time to these things and, and have to move on. So I had to do that for church during this project. So for church, I volunteer my time. I help the kids in Sunday school, but I want to do it with my girls because I travel a lot. So I want to be in their class. Yeah, but they usually don't have enough volunteers for the boys because boys at that age are a little more wild. They don't have enough volunteers for the boys. So invariably, they'd always go, hey, we, we need more of a volunteer for the boys. So I go, all right, I'll do the boys. But as I started doing this project, I'm like, I got to get better at saying no. And so they asked me, and I go, yes, I'd love to volunteer, but it's because I traveled so much, I want to do my girls' class. Okay, no problem. Then, of course, a couple of days later, hey, we're kind of short on boy volunteers. Can you do the boys? I reply back. I copy and paste the same thing I did. I said, hey, because I, I'm traveling, I want to be, spend time with the girls. I'd love to do the girls. And then they reply back and back and forth. Finally, because I didn't relent because I'm doing this project. They said, hey, this other lady's going to do the boys. And then this doesn't always happen. It's not always rainbows and unicorns. But it turns out that girl liked teaching the boys better once she had the experience with it. I don't know why, but she did. 
And so it was a win for me and also a win for her. But before this project, I wouldn't have stayed to my guns. I would have just said, what am I just, it's, I volunteer on my own time. I volunteer on my, just, I have certain parameters. That's a terrible volunteer, but I said, let me test this out. And so in that instance, it actually worked out. In the book, you have a, I don't know what to call it, a system where you measure the difference between importance and performance in each fact, uh, each section. As a matter of fact, here you were giving yourself a, a faith importance of two, but your performance was a four, giving you a plus, a plus two. Explain to me this system and why is faith so low if you're talking about going to church and teaching classes? Yeah, so we've got just examples in the book. I wouldn't fixate on okay. the numbers, but fix it, right, fixate the on how it, yeah. Yeah, so how it goes. So let's say that you... It's important. We'll stick with Spanish. So you want to, the Spanish in your importance level is, let's say, a seven. That You've married into a Spanish family and you want to be able to communicate with the family. So you've got it as a seven out of 10. And then you've been allocating basically just 10 minutes a week to do this, which is not as much as you'd like. So then you're given your performance of a three. So you've got an importance of a seven, but your performance is at a three. There's that big delta that, that gaps four points. And so that's where you've got to look at it and go, okay, I got to make up that gap. Where can I make up that gap? Then below it, you have that, let's say, fitness is important to you. You've got fitness at, let's say, five. That's a five, a medium. It's a medium importance. But you've been playing golf, you've been running, so you've got fitness at an eight. So you're kind of three there. So you can steal some time from fitness to allocate it time, more energy, really steal that energy from the fitness bucket and move it to the Spanish bucket. So that's one way to kind of look at your life to kind of for a grid like fashion to figure out, all right, I want to do this. Let's move it. Then when you don't have anything to move, that's when you got to move stuff off of the grid, off your plate, right? Just go, Hey, I've always wanted to learn the piano in reality. It's not happening. So the easiest way for it to be to check that is done is I'm not going to learn to play the piano. It didn't fall on the top of that list, so it is now officially off for now. Just by the way, the new apps that teach piano are amazing. My daughter is doing it, and we bought her, I don't know, what, Simply Piano or something like that. It's the best app I think I've ever seen. It takes learning the piano and just makes it so fun, and uh, you do one note wrong, and it it catches it and it's visually beautiful and all of the music on there that you're learning to play is hit popular songs. So the kids like it better than playing all that music that they've never heard before. So I just wanted to throw that out. Uh, That's huge. That's a huge, thank you so much. Cause my daughters learn the piano and I know zero about music. So I'll check out that app, uh, the apps out there uh, uh, to make it more fun. That'd I think be great. it's called simply piano. And it is amazing. Uh, you know, it's, and it sends you an email every day telling you about their progress. And, oh, it's just fantastic. Fantastic. Lo love it. Love it. Simply Piano. Yes, it is. It is a great one. Uh, what about uh, helping my employees with this? So how do I integrate this into a whole business? So, for example, yeah, I have so, a gizzard business. We sell the best gizzards in the world. 
I don't know if you know or not, but a gizzard is the only thing that they won't put into a chicken McNugget. How do I help my 10 gizzard employees also focus? How do we do this as a group? Yeah. Where do you, who do you sell the gizzards to then? <laughs> well, uh, pet food. Okay. It's pet food. Got it. Got it. Got it. So your 10 employees. And so- certain five-star restaurants in New York City. Do they? Oh, they use it as like a gravy or something. Uh, a fried gizzard is a delicacy in much of the world. Okay, cool. So, I learned something new. I like nasty, it. That's cool. But, you know. Yeah. Anyway, you have a brother but, that lives in Atlanta. For God's sake, you know what gizzards are. You, they're at every uh, truck stop in the South. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, I think we use them for gravy. As I think when I was growing up, I, yeah, but, that's possible. Sure. Yeah, no, that's cool. But for the employees, so focus. So one, you can have these huddles. A lot of companies do huddles and their huddles. Now everyone's working virtual. So you can still do a virtual in a spreadsheet or you can do it on Zoom if you want. You can just do it on a spreadsheet. But it's literally writing down what's the one thing that's the most important thing you need to do today. And then checking in, that's the important thing is one, they do it for the week. And we do this with our team as well. We have an animation studio. And so we'll check. We just had the call actually before this. So what's the one thing you're doing this week? What's the big thing? And then what's your focus for today? And then you'll check in with that huddle the next day. These huddles should only take one to two minutes. Like, did you get it done? No, no, no. So it's really about peer encouragement and help and accountability. And so, and it also as a leader, You'd be like, no, 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 that shouldn't be your top focus for the week. Shouldn't it be this? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. All right. So that's the more more important piece. So that is hugely helpful to do these huddles, usually weekly and then check in daily. And you can do it if you want on a spreadsheet. We have them on spreadsheets so people write them on a shared sheet on Google Sheets so that everyone knows what they're working on, too. Especially virtually, it helps. Everyone can see the other stuff that people are doing and working on. They can quickly scan it if they want. And then you literally in that spreadsheet, you have green, yellow, red. Green is you got it done. Yellow is you, you got it medium done. Like maybe you got half of it done. And then red is you didn't even get to touch it. And so that's really helpful. You got to encourage it's okay to have some red in there so that people are honest. Um, and then if you see red a couple of times, then you'll work with that teammate. How can I help you? How can I remove those barriers? How can I remove those hurdles? So that's key. Um, now the other thing too, especially in a virtual world is that we need to check in better with our employees. So you should ask them historically, we'd check in once around salary view, which is a terrible time to check in. But what you should do is not ask, how are you doing? Cause people just say, I'm fine, but you need to ask, how are you doing on a scale of one to 10? So you ask them, how are you doing on a scale of one to 10? Then they'll usually tell you, let's say a seven, six, eight, doesn't matter. So let's say they say six. Then you go, okay, how do I get you to a 10? Now you've got that qualitative feedback. And if you ask that a fair amount of time, so it's not a big deal when you ask it, you should try to ask it once a week to somebody, is that you're going to start to get a gauge. Okay, this person's an eight, 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 eight. Whoa, there are four. What's going on? Or there are nine. Oh, what are we doing? So in time, you actually become better as a team by checking in more with each other. I don't want to know what you think about trends and all of that. That's beyond the scope of this show. But do you think that J.K. Rowling is getting the short end of the stick by being banned because of her beliefs? 
Yeah, so I'm not, honestly, I don't even, someone brought it up the other day that, oh, I didn't even know she was in. I am so literally laser focused on things to my detriment sometimes that I don't even know what's going on sometimes in the, the bigger scope of things. But I don't even know. I heard she said something that's controversial. I don't even, I can't even comment on it because I don't even know what she said and what she's in controversy for. Well, she was really mad at your favorite president, Reagan, last week. Are you that out of it? That you Did you hear that Reagan's not president anymore? <laughs> the book is five-star rated on Amazon with 230 reviews, which says to people this is a great book and one that we all have to read if you want any focus. The book, again, The Focus Project, The Not-So-Simple Art of Doing Less by Eric Qualman. It's E-R-I-K-Q-U-A-L-M-A-N. Eric, how do we find out more, follow you online and maintain our focus? No, the other stuff. How do we follow yeah, you? Yeah, no. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to you listeners out there. I'm easy to find. It's just Equal Man. It sounds like a superhero, but it's my first initial last name. It's just Equal Man um, across the board. And then we do have a podcast called Super You that helped unlock and unleash the superpower that's within all of us. So that's Super You, just the letter U, like as in university. So Super You, but also just Equal Man across the board. But thanks so much for having me on. It's been it's been great. I love the challenging questions. I love the banter. And I love that you have a very niche business that sell gizzards. That's super cool. I love it. It's also make-believe. <laughs> for better. years, I asked people about my dentist office. You know, okay. so you're a social media expert. How do I do it at my dentist office? And I got tired of being a fake dentist, sort of like George yeah. Costanza. Oh, you won't know who yeah. he is. But anyway, uh, now I've moved I on know, to being I'm a, a fake I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I am a Seinfeld guy, so I oh, know okay. who he is. Yeah. So you, you, you're, you're not it. focused in the 90s, but now you are. Yeah, I'm just not focused <laughs> on certain pop, pop culture. Sometimes I just don't even know. I do need to look up JK because it has come up a couple times when they read my intro. I'm like, all right, I got to figure out what's going on uh, with what she did. But uh, yeah, that one I'm not as familiar. And then I got to figure out that the word K to be is giblets. I'll have to look if there is giblets. Giblet What's the giblet and giblets are, are totally different. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The giblet That's is good. up by the throat, I think. It's part of the neck. I think you're right. Yes. Yep. Yes. Eric, cool. thank you so much for being with us. Great stuff. Congratulations on the book. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great one. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Super, 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 you. 